Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Pete Pranica, TV voice of the Memphis Grizzlies and your host for the program. This is Season 2, Episode 4 of the Grizz Weekly Grind. Today, it's being brought to you by the Hoop City Basketball Club. Since 2005, their mission has been to assist young student-athletes in grades 1 through 12 in developing a strong work ethic with discipline, responsibility, and accountability. Hoop City has helped young men be great on the court and in the community. Their alumni include major college and NBA players. If you'd like more information on how to become part of this great sports and character-building club, log on to HoopCityBC.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at HoopCityBC. As they say, it's in our blood. It's who we are in Hoop Cities. Check out the website for the latest leagues and announcements and how to get your young person involved in the Hoop City Basketball Club. Well, Grizzlies returning from a four-game Western road trip, and they finished it with a flourish, and now starting a three-game homestand, which started with a bit of a thud. We will cover all that in That Was the Week That Was. As per usual, we've got some PD's points, observations from the road trip and the start of the homestand, and then we bring back one of our friends of the program, Mark J. Spears, he has been covering the NBA for a number of years, first in Denver. Now he lives in the Bay Area, covers the NBA as a whole, and also writes for The Undefeated, which you can find on the ESPN website. So that's what we got lined up for today's show. So without further ado, let's get right to That Was the Week That Was. So Thursday night, the Grizzlies are wrapping up a road trip after just getting stomped by Portland in a subpar performance. And the Grizzlies are taking on the Golden State Warriors. Warriors 4-0 on the young season. Warriors starting an eight-game homestand. And they got off to a great start. A phenomenal start, in fact. After one quarter, Golden State leads it 37-20. Shooting 58% in the first quarter. Grizzlies 0-9 from three in the first quarter. And, uh, folks, it was ugly. Grizzlies with five turnovers for 10 Golden State points in that first quarter. Second quarter, deficit would grow to 19, but the Grizzlies would make a run toward the end of the first half, and they would draw within 10 for a halftime score of 55-45. to In that second quarter, Grizzlies got seven from Jaron Jackson Jr. to offset eight from Steph Curry. And the Grizzlies were down 10. They never led in this ballgame to this point. And the thought was, well, at least you got it within 10. So what are you going to do in the third quarter? Uh, Grizzlies, again, in a bit of a taffy pull with Golden State. They got within one, seven and a half minutes remaining in the third quarter on a Morant fast break dunk. It was 59-58 Warriors. Then the Warriors run off seven straight points to go back up eight. Finally, the Grizzlies, by the time the Buzzer sounds to end the third quarter. They are within six at 79-73. to It was a huge quarter for John Morant. John Morant with 18 points in that third quarter alone. He would go six of eight from the floor. Perfect six of six from the free throw line. Did not attempt a three after he missed a handful of threes in the first half. So Morant became much more aggressive in the lane. 18 points in the period, and the Grizzlies go into the fourth, down six. Grizzlies would put on one of their patented rallies. They would trail by as many as eight, about two and a half minutes in, and you were starting to wonder, well, are the Grizzlies really going to make a run at this or not? They score 11 straight points, Desmond Bain giving the Grizzlies their first lead of the game on a three-pointer with 621 remaining in the game. Game would seesaw back and forth. 
Damian Lee off the bench had eight in the fourth quarter, and he was the prime scoring option for Golden State in that fourth quarter. Steph Curry really struggling in the fourth quarter. Grizzlies would have a three-point lead on a Jaron Jackson layup with 2.13 remaining. Damian Lee would tie it with a three at the 2.04 mark. Nobody scored over the final two minutes of this ball game, and we go to overtime at a 98-98 tie because Steph Curry missed a 33-footer at the horn. So we go to overtime, and the Grizzlies handled their business in the overtime as uh, they were able to win it 104-101. It was really a group effort. De'Anthony Melton, John Morant, Kyle Anderson each had a bucket for the Grizzlies in the overtime period. Uh, Damian Lee had a three-pointer for Golden State. That was the only scoring that they had in overtime. Grizzlies only six points. They shot just two of seven, but Golden State one of eight. Curry 0 of three. All of them missed three-pointers in the overtime. And the Grizzlies go on to win it by a final score of 104 to 101 in overtime. Final numbers. Grizzlies actually were outshot 43% to 40%, made only 25% of their threes, but they were 100% at the free throw line. They forced 23 turnovers from the Golden State Warriors, handing the Warriors their first defeat of the season. So Grizzlies end on a 2-2 two and two road trip, go back to the hotel in San Francisco. They feel pretty good about themselves, get on the plane, and it's time to go home, and let's start the homestand. And they start against the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat the night before had gotten a 4-1 and one on the season as uh, they held the top-scoring Charlotte Hornets to 99 points. The Heat, it's first back-to-back. They did not look like it. they were on a back-to-back. They did not have Bam Adebayo, who had a knee bruise, so Dwayne Dedman started in his place. And 23 first-half points from Jimmy Butler, and Miami led it by as many as 19 in the first half. It was 67-54 after two quarters. Third quarter, that's when the roof really started to fall in uh, on the Grizzlies. It was 102-79. to Duncan Robinson with 12 points in the third quarter. Grizzlies got eight from Desmond Bain, got eight from Kyle Anderson, but the Grizzlies shooting just 40% from the floor. Through three quarters, Miami was shooting 64% from three, 18 of 28, and they came into the game through their first Five games shooting less than 30% from the three-point line. Well, they got right from the three-point line. They would end up with 27 threes made on 57% shooting. When all was said and done, it was 129 to 103. Miami with the win. They shot 52% for the game. The Grizzlies just 39%. And the Grizzlies were out-rebounded by 18, believe it or not, despite the fact that Bam Adebayo did not play for the Miami Heat, 50-32. to 32. We knew Miami was a good rebounding team coming into the league. In fact, the Grizzlies and the Heat, a couple of best rebounding teams in the NBA. But Miami won it easily going coast-to-coast and wire-to-wire, leading by as many as 29, 129-103, the final Grizzlies 3-3, three and three, the Heat now 5-1. and one. Grizzlies will go on. They will have two games against the Denver Nuggets on Monday and on Wednesday. We'll touch on the Nuggets preview, and then Grizzlies will go on the road. They'll see the Washington Wizards a little bit later on. Uh, Mark Spears in our Friend of the Program segment will have some thoughts on uh, what's going on with those teams as we preview the week ahead. But that was the week that was. 
time now for some PD's points. And number one, I just I just don't know where this team is right now. Um, you know, is this the team that rallied from double digits down in Los Angeles to beat the Clippers? Is this the team that rallied from double digits down to almost beat the Lakers? Or is this the team that got stomped by Portland and Miami? Or is it the, the team that came back from 19 down in Golden State? I have no idea where this team is right now. And Mark Spears has an interesting take on this, and I'm not going to steal his thunder. You're going to have to wait and listen to the interview to hear what he thinks, and I happen to agree with him on this particular point. What we have discovered about the Grizzlies so far is defensively they're not what they need to be. In fact, not even close to where they need to be. In the Cleveland game, the Clipper game, the Laker game, the Grizzlies' offense was good enough that it protected the defense a little bit. So if the Grizzlies give up 110, well, the Grizzlies might score 120 and and still win the basketball game, which is what happened with the Cleveland Cavalier game on, on opening night. The defense is nowhere near where it needs to be on, on any level. Pick-and-roll defense is struggling. One-on-one defense is struggling. Uh, thwarting dribble drives. That's struggling as well. And so until the Grizzlies get their defensive house in order, this is going to be a roller coaster season because shooting comes and goes. Offensive flow comes and goes. Every game is different when it comes to that. The defense is the one thing that you have to have on a night-in, night-out basis. And right now the Grizzlies do not have that defense. They're allowing teams to get well over 100, 110, 120 points. And that's a really, really hard number to get offensively uh, on a night-in, night-out basis. Even if you do have John Morant and you have Desmond Bain and you have guys who have the ability to put the ball in the bucket, you can't give up 110 on a regular basis and expect to win basketball games. The other piece of this, too, is the Grizzlies have faced double-digit deficits in every game this season. So the games that they've they've won, they've well, with the exception of the Cleveland game, that wasn't a double-digit deficit. But in two of the three wins, they've overcome double-digit deficits. They've had double-digit deficits in every game except, I think, the Cleveland game. And again, that's a very, very tough way to live because the effort that you have to expend physically and mentally to overcome double-digit deficits it's really draining. And and when the Grizzlies were trying to erase that 19-point deficit at Golden State, I my concern was, number one, for fatigue because they had played in Portland the night before, but also mental fatigue given the fact that you're trying to erase a 19-point deficit. Fortunately for the Grizzlies, the 19-point deficit was in the second quarter. You can deal with that a lot better than a 19-point deficit in the third or fourth quarter. But the bottom line is, This team has to establish an identity, and the identity has to go beyond John Morant. We all know that John Morant is an elite-level player. We know that he very well could be an all-star, should be an all-star if he continues his play this year. Beyond that, this team continues to be a work in progress, particularly on the defensive end. PD's point number two, the consistency of the team has been pronounced. The inconsistency of Jaron Jackson Jr. has also been very pronounced. One night, you might get 20 and 8 out of him. The next night, you might get single digits. Jaron is relying and attempting, at least to my eyes, and, and the coaching staff and, and other people may beg to differ with this. I, I just think Jaron is trying too many threes. Um, you know, in, in the Miami game, he's 3 of 12 from the floor. He's 3 of 4 inside the arc. He is 0 for 8 beyond the arc. Finishes with 8 points and 3 rebounds. Did have a couple of blocks. Can impact the game defensively. But if the Grizzlies are going to be successful... And by successful, they need to get back in the playoffs. 
be a viable threat to get into the second round. That, for me, would be a successful year for this basketball team. For them to take that step, for them to go there, Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to have to be consistent. And he's got to be consistently good rather than the up-and-down roller coaster that we've been riding so far this season. In fairness to Jaron, only 11 regular season games last year, five playoff games, has not played a competitive basketball outside of the first six of this year, some preseason, the little bit he played last year since getting hurt in the Orlando bubble. Is his timing off? Uh, could be. He's working hard. I've watched him and, and made a specific effort to watch him warm up yesterday before the Miami game. Some guys warm up and they get, kind of go half speed. He was going full speed. There, there isn't a lack of passion. There isn't a lack of want to from Jaron Jackson Jr. The production hasn't been there. Um, like I said, I, I just feel very strongly that he's got moves in the post and he's got moves in the paint and he's gotten bigger and stronger. Use those advantages. Yes, he can be what everybody likes to refer to as a unicorn because he can do so many different things that he can step out as a seven footer and he can hit four, five, six, seven threes in a game. We've seen that from Jaron Jackson Jr. But then again, we've seen games like uh, Saturday night where he goes 0 for 8 from distance. That does not serve this basketball team very, very well. PD's point number three, uh, again, kind of going along with the Jaron Jackson point is the Grizzlies are going to need a supporting cast for John Morant. Jock can't do it every single night. He is going to see design defenses that are designed to stop him and force other guys to beat them. Portland did it, and it worked. Miami did it, and it worked. Now, I mean, Morant had a, had a, had a, a decent enough game against the Miami Heat, finished with 20 points, seven boards, two steals, only three turnovers, had four rebounds as well. I mean, had a, had a good game, but the Grizzlies lost by – a ton, you know, so you, you look at, you look at it and you're like, well, you lost by 26, even though Morant had a decent game, maybe a little below average by his standards, given the, how he's performed so far this season, you got to have other guys. You know, when you look at the box score from the Miami game, Jaron gives you eight, Steven Adams, only six. Now that is probably more of a matchup issue than anything else. Kyle Anderson with 13 off the bench you don't have anybody else on the bench who gave you more than five points. Tyus Jones gave the Grizzlies five. So you only have four starters in double figures. I'm sorry, four players in double figures. Three of them are starters. Two of your starters don't even make double figures. Steven Adams only gets one shot in the game. That's not going to be enough. You know, Miami has six in double figures. Tyler Hill with 22 off the bench. Jimmy Butler with 27 in a starting role for the Miami Heat. So Ja's going to be Ja. And he's going to be great, and he's going to be all-star caliber. But the Grizzlies need somebody else on a consistent basis, whether that's Jaron or somebody else, which leads me to my last PD's point, and that is this team really misses Dylan Brooks. They miss his defensive presence. They miss his swagger a little bit, although I, I think Ja plays with swagger. Desmond Bain certainly plays with swagger. But still that, that persona of Dylan the villain – and I'm going to guard the other team's best score, and I'm going to make him work really, really hard for his points. The Grizzlies are missing that right now. They're missing Dylan's offense a little bit as well, but I think they're really missing his defensive presence and what he brings to the table. And that's why this team is giving up you know, 110, 120 points on a regular basis. Um, 
from what we're told, Dylan will be reevaluated probably within the next week or so. But even from that point on, how quickly will he be able to ramp up that he can actually get on the floor? So he needs to be medically cleared as far as the hand is concerned, and then he needs to be physically ready to play competitive NBA basketball. And so when exactly he returns, that, of course, remains something that uh, we don't know at this point. And those are Petey's points for right now. Grizzlies standing at 3-3 three and three as they go into a two-game set on Monday and Wednesday with the Denver Nuggets, who were winners uh, against Minnesota on Saturday night. All right, it's time to remind you that uh, we would love to hear your ratings, get uh, your input on the program, and feel free to leave me a direct message on Twitter. My DMs are open, at Pete Pranica. Leave some questions, and uh, we'll open up the mailbag. Haven't gotten any questions yet, so uh, chime in with questions as we have gotten through the first six games of the season. Give me some questions, and uh, I will go ahead and answer those in a future edition of the Grizz Weekly Grind, which today is being brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. The NBA is back, and at DraftKings Sportsbook, an authorized sports betting partner of the NBA, the key to victory is a strong starting five. Now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NBA team to win their game, and if they do, you win $200 in free bets. So why not make your roster Washington, 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 and um, yeah, Washington. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also get skin in the game with new same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet just $5 on any NBA team to win their game, and you win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an authorized sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit, and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And with that, let's get to our friend of the program. He is Mark J. Spears. You read him on ESPN with The Undefeated. He's been covering the NBA for a number of years. Good friend of mine, good friend of the program, and always a great conversation with Mark Spears. Mark, had a chance to visit with you, however, briefly in San Francisco. You got an in-person look at John Morant, put on one of his shows in the third quarter in that comeback win over Golden State. What did you see in John Morant, and what impressed you most? (laughs) Man, he's so much fun to watch, man. Um, I, I I really hope the Grizzlies get some more national TV dates because he, he's fun. And, you know, to, to be honest, and this is with all due respect, he, he doesn't have the supporting cast that everybody else has. Now, he has some teammates that are really good at what they're supposed to do. But if you, if you look at, like the rest of the NBA and how this team has two all-stars or this team has three all-stars. He just has a really good supporting cast. And so I kind of, I kind of call the team kind of like, um, Ja and the miracles, man. (laughs) (laughs) There's nobody else that you could like depend on to score over 20 points a game every night. Right. And please, please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but I think the thing that he does, man, he just makes everybody better. 
He makes everybody better. He he brings a standard in terms of effort, um, will, and you the the fact that like I you know I live in the Bay Area, so I see the Warriors play all the time, and he wills them to win against the Warriors. That that team is not better than the Warriors, but on paper they're not better than the Warriors. But they got the Warriors number. Like they've figured out a way to own them right now. And um, I think Ja, not only as a a scorer, not only as an athlete, but his basketball IQ is very underrated. His leadership skills are very, very underrated. He, you know, be- perhaps because he's in Memphis, it's everything's low key. But, and he's low key, but man, he, he's, um, he to me he's one of the marquee players in the league. He should be an all star this year, and um, he's just a joy to like. I I don't have to go every day every Warriors game, even though I live in the Bay. I don't cover the Warriors. I cover the league. I'm coming to see John Morant, man. I'm I'm driving across the bridge from from the Oakland Oakland to San Francisco to see John Morant, and um, I, I think his popularity. Um, people wearing those number twelve jerseys and every is 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 uh the love for him is just going to continue to skyrocket. He he has not digressed since he's gotten in the league. I know that's a long answer, but no, no, and and and, and it's a good answer. And he has progressed, and now where you're seeing him score double digits in a quarter on a regular basis and be productive every quarter he's on the floor because of the last couple of years sometimes you weren't sure. Okay, is he impacting the game when, when he was on the floor and he wasn't? As far as the supporting cast, I know a lot of eyes have been cast on Jaron Jackson Jr., got the big extension. Some days are better than others from him. Yeah. Now, he, he does have potential to be a star, to your point. It needs to just be consistent. Yeah, I think consistency is, is, is the biggest thing. Are people asking too much of him after just playing 11 regular season games last year in the playoff series and, and having been out of competitive basketball really since the Orlando bubble because of the knee injury? Are people expecting too much too soon? Or or is it that Jaron needs to develop and de- develop and produce now? Uh, I think it's the latter. Um, he's healthy. We've seen enough flashes. I think it's about being consistent and uh I also think he, he looks like he got stronger. Um, yeah, he did work. He did work on to, his body when he was injured, for sure. Yeah, he, he seems to be more aggressive in terms of rebounding, which is I think is a good thing. I think it's though, like that's what I would love to see more of him is make a more of an impact on the defensive end, more of an impact on the boards. I know he can shoot three. No, obviously you probably like to see him going to post a little bit more, but that's not today's basketball, right? But it, um, it isn't. But that doesn't that doesn't stop that doesn't me mean from he can't do it because yeah, because just, because he has the skills, and I think it opens up the three point shot if he if he's a viable yeah. threat in the paint. Because I, I I think the mentality for him defensively needs to be if he, if he wants to be a finesse guy offensively, yeah, he, I think he has the skills to be at the stretch big he could be, but on a defensive end. I want him to see him lay more wood on people. Want him to see rebound, like own the boards. And I think to me, that is the biggest way he could make an impact on the team is to become 
uh, eight plus rebounder per game consistently. You know, have some fifteen point games. Have, have some games like on the boards that you know Valenzuela's had. Right, you right. Know? And I mean, Adams is going to have those games for you too. But that's the thing. Like, if they're going to take the next level. Like right now, what I'm seeing in Cleveland is interesting because they got so much length, right? That that length is like bothersome um, with Mobley mm-hmm. and um, God. What's the big fella's name that starts the center for Cleveland? Um, Jared Allen. Jared Allen, like their length, their size, their athleticism is giving teams problems, right? I think it's it's just unique to have two big dudes in the in in the you know uh, defensively like Adams and Jackson, and if if the Grizzlies are going to take a step forward, I think those guys could just have to just own the boards make them get one shot. Like the Grizzlies are really, really good at 50-50 balls. They're really good at hustle plays. And if they could own the boards on the defensive end too, those are kind of like little things I think that, you know, and uh, certainly Brandon got to be healthy. If Brandon's healthy, he he gets boards, you know that. Those are little things that I think can make up for not having a, a long, uh, you know, several superstars on the team. Yeah, the other thing they need to do is they need to to pick up their defense. Saturday night, yeah. I, I mean, Saturday night, I said to Eric Reed and John Crotty, their TV crew after the game, I said nobody was beating you guys tonight because they were they yeah. were unbelievable. Um, and that, and there was no out of bio, right? No, and there was no out of bio, and they still dominated the glass, which I know yeah. Taylor Jenkins was. And that, dis- that's that's what I'm talking about. It that could be their their heel, or that could be their salvation. Exactly, exactly. Well, now the Grizzlies have a couple of games coming up against the Denver Nuggets, and I know you used to cover them on a on a regular basis when you lived in, in Denver. What have you seen from Denver? Are they are they a viable Western Conference Finals contender at this point with Jokic fully healthy now? I've always kind of – I know Nuggets fans hate me for this. I always call them fool's gold. You know what I mean? I, I, I get the theme. I get the theme. I like it. <laughs> like they always kind of like, they trick you, man. Like, you, you, they seduce you. They trick you. They got Joker and, you know, and then Michael Porter is just beautiful to watch offensively. And Aaron Gordon is a hell of a number three, number four. Um, But they need their, their guard back, man. They need their star guard back. Yeah, without and, Jamal Murray, it's a lot harder. Yeah, so to you know, if Murray's there. I think they certainly have a real shot without him. I just think they're a pretty good team, uh, but not capable of like taking it to the next level. Um, so I mean, I think Denver. They just, I, I, I think Nuggets fans got it bad, man. <laughs> just. They're, they're they kind get of toyed with every year. They always have a good team. Ever since Me- one thing you got to give Melo credit for. Ever since Melo came there, they've been to the playoffs. But I, don't, I wonder if they've even missed the playoffs. Maybe once. I'd have to go Mello. back and look. But yeah, well, and I think and they always make the playoffs. But they always get the certificate of participation. 
<laughs> they're they're always kind of stuck in that waiting room. They're a first round, yeah. second round team periodically. Maybe it maybe a conference finals, and and, and, they're, and they're they're groomsmen. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. never the groom, man. They're always they're at the wedding. They're, they're in the wedding. They might even like give the wing the ring to the lady. You know. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they, they're the perennial best man. They're not a bridesmaid. Yeah, they're the best man, man all the time. <laughs> them and the jazz, but you know, at least the jazz, yeah, jazz too. The Nuggets have it even worse, man. They just every year they they do enough to get to the playoffs and then then they're watching the finals like we are. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Our friend of the program today is Mark J. Spears. You know him as one of the most notable NBA writers in the league and writing for the undefeated on the ESPN website. He's our friend of the program today, and we continue our visit. Um, what are the major storylines that you're tracking right now? I mean, no, everybody wants to talk about Kyrie and vaccination mm-hmm. and Ben Simmons and will he, won't he, what's going on in Philadelphia? Yeah. What, what outside is outside of that? Outside of that, what are you looking at? You know, I'm. <sighs> Should we buy on the Knicks and the Wizards yet? I don't. I don't know. Now the Grizzlies will see the Wizards on Friday night, so yeah. I, I'm very curious in your take on that. I, I'm a little bit of a buyer because I've always been a big Tom Thibodeau guy, and and yeah. clearly they they have bought into what he is selling. So I'm buying on the Knicks. I want to hear your take on the Wizards since the Grizzlies see him at the end of the week. Yeah, um, I think Spencer Dinwiddie was one of the underrated signings of free agency. And if, if the Nets would have been completely healthy last season, and that includes Spencer Dinwiddie, like people forget that he got hurt too. Right. And he was out for the season. If Spencer Dinwiddie doesn't get hurt, even if Kyrie's not there, I think they're fine. He, to me, is one of the more underrated point guards in the league. Um, very, very talented. And so... You know, I think Wes Unsell Jr. is doing a, a phenomenal job coaching so far. I'm sure he probably will be coach of the month for the first month, but I think it includes November, so we got to wait. Um, but Dinwiddie was a huge pickup for him. Beal is Beal, but I they don't even have Rui back yet, I don't think. So I'm I'm pretty stunned, like, that the Wizards are doing this well. And they're building some confidence and – it's it's early. I'm not buying it just yet. It's really, really early. Like, the Nets are going to be better. The Bucks will be better. Um, New York, I'm buying in, in terms of definitely a playoff team, definitely a team that you got to respect. Um, I like the makeup of their team now. You know, and, and RJ Barrett, is uh, certainly starting to fit. He had a great, great game against the Pelicans. He's finally, I think, figured out his right role that, you know, you you finally go into his strengths. I don't know that he'll ever be a superstar in this league, but collectively, like, their roster, like, their bench is really good. Um, Kemba's back at home, rejuvenated with that. You know what Julius is. Fournier, like they got a lot of weapons and they're deep. So the Knicks, yeah, I'm Washington. Let, let, call me a Christmas. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I've I've always I've always felt that you need at least a month, maybe six weeks, twenty games for sure, to figure out 
what a team is. And I, and I look at the Grizzlies right now, and, and they're 3-3 three and three after the loss Saturday night to Miami, and I'm like, well, are you the team that rallied against the Clippers on the road? Are you the team that rallied on the road against? I don't Portland? know what the Grizzlies are, man. Or, or are you the team that showed up against Miami and Portland? And and that the, that to me is the troubling thing. You know what the 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 troubling thing too is? Grizzlies are that team that is capable of beating any team on every given night or losing to any team on every given night. And that's a rough place like, to be. Yeah, like the team I saw. On last Thursday, Thursday, right against the Warriors, like right, Thursday, I didn't see that team the night before. Yeah, exactly, right? and that I and, didn't yeah. see that team against the Heat. Like, do they just bottle that up because it's the Warriors and they they won that that playoff? I mean, that playing game, and uh, they're playing against Curry, and there's there's TV there, right? Wasn't on national television. And it was actually it was not. It was not the, Port- the Portland game was on know, national TV, but yeah, you know, you know anytime it's Golden a State, spotlight on that game, like that people are paying attention to it. So that I think that's where one thing I think would would also help that Grizzlies team is just having some more vets in the locker room. You know, that team is just so like young and talented, but you need some somebody that goes in there and curses them out. You need a Udonis Haslam. I'm, I'm not going to say you need an Iguodala because that, that's a sensitive uh, name. There. It is a sensitive <laughs> name in Memphis. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you, you, I think they need, like, is Adams that guy? I don't know if he spoke, he speaks like that, you know, or probably not, you know, but, but just some veteran guy, kind of like when Vince was there, probably, who basically says some things to the players that um, says some things to the players that uh, maybe the coaches can't say. Yeah. Well, and when, when Jay Crowder and even Solomon Hill in Jaws' rookie year, they had an influence, but then, then, then they were traded away. I, yeah, I tend yeah. to agree with you. And I, I did talk to Taylor Jenkins about it. And, he's, and or actually, Michael Wallace from Grind City Media. He said, well, you know, Kyle Anderson. And I was like, but not yeah. a, but there, but, and I, I love Kyle to death and I think he's, he's, he's really good for the team, but he's not that true OG yeah. who's, who's been around the well, block several times. If your nickname is slow mo, then I don't really expect you to be like, uh, very boisterous. You know what I mean? <laughs> now, Steven Adams, in talking with Taylor Jenkins, he's been very complimentary that Steven has been very good as a leader with the bigs. And here's somebody who's played with, you know, guys yeah. like like Westbrook and Harden and Durant. And so there's mm. there's some of that there. Uh and he is he is pretty loquacious and guys have taken to him as a teammate. Final thing for you, Mark. Uh you do great work for the undefeated. Uh what's uh what's on the word processor right now as far as the undefeated is concerned? Um well I I was glad that Kate Cunningham finally played. Um I'm doing a diary with him and it's a monthly diary. Um, and so it'd have been tough to continue doing a diary if he's not on the court. <laughs> yeah, that that project falls kind of flat, then, doesn't it? <laughs> so I'm actually scheduled to go out there a week from um, uh, tomorrow, um, a week from Monday, and sit down with him. And he he has an interesting week this week. Like, okay, he got his magic game, got his feet wet. Minutes restriction didn't have the greatest game, but this week they got Brooklyn. Philly and Milwaukee. <laughs> well, welcome All to the NBA, games, son. But, 
Yeah, yeah. Like, and then next week, uh, which is actually going to be a nationally televised game, uh, he plays against another number two pick, you know, Jalen um, Jalen Green, who's been gangbusters, you know, so far. He's been everything advertised more so far. So uh, certainly a tough start for the number one pick, but that's kind of what the cool thing about the diary is. You know, we could uh, we could kind of delve into some stuff uh, that doesn't always have to be fun. You know, it's it's life. It's, it's your diary. So I'm excited to talk about him. I got this a story running. I believe it's Tuesday or Wednesday that I'm really excited about. I, I I's been I, I I actually sent it in in the, like the spring and it's finally running. And I just, all I could say is it's NBA player gambling related. Okay. And former that's NBA player gambling, not former, a current player, okay. former player. Okay, good. Thank you for clarifying that. So that's coming, so that's coming to the undefeated the gambling this week. that you just initially guessed. Okay. It's, it's different. So Which, I'm, I'm excited about that story and, uh, you know, the response that it gets. Well, yeah, gaming and gambling has been such become such a part of our game on on the periphery. Uh, certainly, with a lot of um, a lot of casinos and uh, online betting sites getting involved. So, yeah, that, it's a whole yeah. it's a it's a lot different than when you and I started in this racket well, with the I, NBA. I, I will reveal this: this is about cards. Oh, card games on the airplane? <laughs> no more. No card games in the casino. Oh, okay. <laughs> so basically, it's about a, uh, uh, someone who was, um, let's just say, addicted to that. Okay. All right. Well, we'll tell everybody to look for that on yeah. the Undefeated. Uh, our friend of the program today has been Mark J. Spears, longtime NBA scribe. You can read him at the Undefeated, and uh, you can find him on Twitter as well. And you can also find him following Arsenal. Nice win over Leicester City. That's uh, right. We're back, baby. 2-0. Two, two really good stuff. We got, we got an amazing uh, goalie. Uh, I'm liking our squad right now. Good. Good deal. Mark, thanks so much for the time. Appreciate it. Man, uh, thanks for always having me, brother. That's the one and only Mark J. Spears. Always a great conversation, never at a loss for opinions. We share fandom uh, of Arsenal. That's our favorite English Premier League soccer club, and uh, so that was why I threw in the Arsenal reference there, and Arsenal starting to be in very, very good form. Uh, speaking of soccer and good form, Memphis 901 FC, congratulations to them for qualifying for the USL Championship playoffs, and um, we are efforting a conversation with their coach, Ben Pierman, uh, in advance of their playoff match against Charlotte Independence, which comes up next week. And we're working on some other stuff for the next episode of the Grizz Weekly Grind, but we hope that you enjoyed today's show with Mark J. Spears, our friend of the program. We thank the Hoop City Basketball Club and DraftKings Sportsbook for their continued support of the Grizz Weekly Grind. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Pete Pranica. We'll see you next time.